Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they're lengthily discussed Welcome to With Gorley and Rust. I'm Matt Gorley. And I'm Paul Rust. This is a podcast where Matt and I, we sit back, we chat about the thrills and chills, kills, mm. blood spills, whoa, gut spills. Uh, any other? Uh, the pickles dills. Uh. <laughs> People being sawn up in mills. Uh, cooked up with grills. Yes. Especially on this one, little uh, dining table side burner, little hot plate. Yeah, you know that Lecter, if he tried to have that in a dorm room, good luck. No hot plates, baby. That's right. We're here. We're talking about Hannibal from 2001. That's right. We're on this journey right now. What would you call these? The the Hannibal Hayes. The, yeah. Uh, um, you you gave it a name, maybe. I did, and I'm trying to remember, what, like Hannibal Podocost or something. That's it beautiful. It was really clunky. There, a good name for this season never fully presented itself, because I think originally it was going to be Hannibal Holidays, and we moved it back a little, so yeah. that was on us. Well, and also, you know, it's a... Uh, it was maybe hard to pin down how this was Hannibal because it's not until this third movie, Matt, of the five. So it takes three before they put their flag down and say, this is Hannibal Lecter territory we're in, people. Right, and even this movie, you know, you could make an argument, This is is this Hannibal's movie? Is it Clarice's movie? Is it Giancarlo Giannini's movie? For, ha- you know, a good third of it, it is. You know... <laughs> One third or one turd. <laughs> hey, they rhyme, so that means <laughs> so, it's a good point. That's on them. Now, Matt, yeah. uh, before we uh, let people know uh, more about this uh, podcast and uh, all of our lovely trustees who are watching right now, uh, live screaming with us, um, don't want to bury the lead. I hated this movie. Yeah, I, I <laughs> hated it with one 
one little caveat, and that was just circumstantially, yesterday was the perfect type of day for me to watch a movie like this. That's not saying this movie's good. This a movie's, rainy day movie? Is that what it was? Well, it or wasn't was it rainy, but post-rainy? I just had a kind of day off. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't feeling great, so I didn't go into some other work. Mm-hmm. And I was just just co- you know cold medicined up enough on the couch Perfect. glenn was in daycare Perfect. nothing going on and if a movie was good or asked too much of, for me i wouldn't have been able to handle it you know what i mean <laughs> i know what you mean yes 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 so this movie caught a break with me which is not to say i liked it i'm ready to talk about it well you and you introduced the uh, amazing critical rubric i don't know if that's mm-hmm. the of uh, good day Good movie, bad movie, bad day, and how those could work out. And so okay, yesterday, and okay, yeah, and okay, yeah. Explain that again, just for well, our just you, you've got three double permutations and has like make it nine total. So you can have a good movie, good day, good movie, okay day, good movie, bad day, okay movie, good day, okay movie, okay day, okay movie, bad day, bad. You know what I mean. Anyway. Uh, that alone, if you went through all of them, that could be put to like a um, like a spa music kind of sensory sound <laughs> and be like on a loop, just be very comforting to hear you go through all those permutations. Well, this movie's an As interesting example because you, you know, I think at least in our probably assessment is probably a bad movie, right? Mm-hmm. But because yesterday was such a nice movie watching mm-hmm. experience. You could make an argument that I would go, uh, okay day, no, good day, okay movie. Yes. I still think it's a good day, bad movie. I, but, but yes. It, it, it was teetering. It blurs, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I it mean, was the day doing that, not the movie. Well, this is now bearing the biggest lead, which is this is a cozy podcast. Right. And so if people didn't know that already by you talking about having an afternoon day to yourself to yeah. watch a movie and uh, and it making the enhancing the experience of watching the movie, this is a cozy cast. Don't let it get twisted. Yeah. And you know, there's a there there's almost a a way to like this movie in that it's it's three parts. It's one part Ridley Scott film, one part just 90s thriller potboiler, mm-hmm. and one part Silence of the Lambs sequel. Turns out those three things are not ingredients that go well together. If I had yeah, any so one of the three, yes, if I had any one of the three fully, it probably would never be as good as Silence of the Lambs, but it might be good. Who knows? Right. It's not even a big enough uh, swing in the the silence uh, sequel territory to even know no, how to... especially not with this script, which I think is also, crazily enough, an improvement on the book from what I understand. Well, you know, you, you know, I said I hated the movie, and uh, you're saying uh, it's a bad movie. Um, but that said, it is a cozy cast. And so um, I'm going to find the things that I can as much as possible that I love about the movie. Um, and if I hate on stuff, that's fun sometimes. Oh, I think this movie can take it. This isn't anybody's passion project. And it, it, it's like... Does anybody like this more than Silence of the Lambs? Oh, they're... I mean, if I get they people do, liking Manhunter more than Silence of the yes. Lambs. And I, as much as I love season two of True Detective, I don't love it more than season one. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because uh-huh. if I did, then I'd just be a troll. Yes, yes. Well, and I shouldn't even compare it. It, 
as much as possible. I think the movie could just be like criticized on what it's doing on its own. It doesn't even need to be compared constantly to what Silence of the Lambs was to show how it's bad. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like bad in its own way. But I'll choose yeah. my spots where I'm like, whoa, this is not the Clarice and Lecter that we no, fell in love and, with. And just when you think I you like can let idea. go of all that silent stuff and just watch a 90s. Yes. I keep saying 90s because... It is. It's, it's like really spiritually, this is a '90s blockbuster thriller. Julianne Moore, I think, or or Jodie Foster, uh, uh, according to Brantley Palmer's notes, uh, said no, thank you. On this, like December 1999 is when, and so in the new year of 2000, it put Dino De Laurentiis or uh, uh, Universal who in a bind of like, oh, now we have to find an actor. But yeah, it's like a real turn of the well. Like, even so, century. when you look at the they look at the top ten most wanted people, and it's not Osama bin Laden, it's Osama bin Laden pre nine eleven. We all know that the two thousand started on nine eleven. Anyway, that, but yeah, but by I mean truly that I exactly what you're saying. It's like a this movie's a real snapshot because it's it came out February two thousand one, so it's yeah. just nine months before nine uh, eleven, and it does. Exactly. I mean, it might be if one were to say these things, it's like the last like '90s movie. Yeah, I think <laughs> it is. It like got in under the wire, and every time it it kind of presents itself as a as I said like a '90s thriller. I start to enjoy it. Then when it tries to remind me that it's you know I'm Silence of the Lambs' younger brother, and I'm just as smart and charming. <laughs> I'm you know <laughs> yeah Ch- uh, Chad Lowe. Uh, Yes, it is the Chad Lowe. Of, I, I don't mean anything against Chad Lowe. I really don't. I'm just no. saying I'm using a cultural sort of yes. measurement. But it's when it does that, first that's name it, that fucks up Chad Lowe. That's true. It's nothing about the talent or the no. coming after or anything like that. It's, it's just, a shortcut joke, but uh, I didn't mean it that. Oh God! No, <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I I laugh because you were, we were bending over to let. Chad Lowe fans. I love Chad Lowe. No, me too. Me too. Everybody does. I think everybody actually prefers him now to Rob Lowe. So it says something. It really says something. Uh, But what I was saying is that every time it goes to be Silence of Lambs is when you go like, oh, come on. You can't measure up, especially with what you set out with, with your people and your tools and all that. I know. Well, yeah, the, the, the trying to get at that, what Silence of the Lambs is, like the the scariness Ridley Scott trying to do it. This isn't like um, the best comparison, but it, if you notice like um, when a, like a dramatic actor, not all dramatic actors who host SNL, Saturday Night Live, but some, uh, when they go on there, they think they're doing, it's comedy night. Yeah, yeah. So there is drama and then there's comedy. And like, I love Hugh Jackman, but he just strikes me as a person who's like, I'm doing comedy and yeah. that's different than drama. And like yeah. mugging just kind of gets cranked up a little bit more. And then you're like looking over and you're like, well, Charles Grodin is just funny inside and out. He's not even concerned whether he's making it clear. Like, I, I'm just saying yeah. that to pick a different example. My point is, this feels a little bit like Ridley Scott being like, I'm making a horror movie. 
I know that he did. Yeah. You know, it's like a horror, but like, or I'm doing a sequel to Silence of the Lambs, and I gotta. So he thinks when the guts of that detective like spill onto the sidewalk. I don't know if that's the like drama actors comedy version of the fingernail in Silence of the Lambs in the hole. Ironically, like I like that think fingernail he's... is so much more yeah. evocative and scary in its smallness than Oh no, my Italian guts are spill all over the De Laurentiis diner uh, now that, outside the patio. If that would have happened. That's that's if there was a Dino De Laurentiis cameo when the gut spilled, and he's like at a table eating spaghetti, <laughs> the blood spills up on him, and he's like, easy with the linguine. And then he and a Cocker Spaniel do the little lady in the tramp intestine slurp. <laughs> Ironically, I think James uh, Ridley Scott did to Silence of the Lambs what he tried to do what James Cameron did to Aliens, where he tried to make a kind of popcorn... Elevated popcorn thriller that just didn't work. Dude, I am on some aliens Cameron shit over the last week. For yeah. whatever reason, that's just mm. been the hole I've gone down. So when I watched this, I was like, oh my God, this is a f- Ridley Scott's first time taking somebody else's property and doing a sequel, which, yeah. yes, like what happened with Alien to Aliens, which I don't necessarily think he has mixed feelings, but it was like... I'm sure if he could change things, he probably would want to do Aliens, all the Alien movies, right? So whatever feelings, conscious or unconscious, he might have about doing a sequel to somebody else's thing in regards to his, that crossed my mind. So yeah, it does seem like exactly, like it is like the Aliens version of, yeah. made me really sort of, this is not fair to judge Ridley Scott on this movie, but it did make me take a little bit of stock and ask myself, how big a Ridley Scott fan am I? I love Alien. Love, love, love it. I I like Blade Runner a lot. Is that it? Oh, dude, what I'm with I you. I want some... And he's made tons of movies. I was, at, I was at eating lunch with somebody. It was like a, an acquaintance, a friendly acquaintance. So this wasn't like a... Ooh, heated. But I remember saying, I was like, <laughs> it's funny with Ridley Scott because I'm like, I love Alien and I love Blade Runner. Like, truly like Desert Island movies. Like, yeah. I could watch either of those for the rest of my life and probably get enough nourishment out of those movies alone to be satisfied by them. But uh, I was like, but then to have no movies after that, that even come close to that ex- yeah. those experiences I was just noting like I don't think there's a, another filmmaker who has that much of a gap for me that that's all I was like oh the, maybe Coppola he's got two or he three he has more well he has more good ones and he has less films so it's not fair because Willie Scott is so I haven't seen Gladiator since it came out but I have a feeling it wouldn't hold up as well as I thought. And I you remember know, even I at the like, time kind of going, okay, I liked it. But yeah. yeah. With Coppola, it's like Godfather, Godfather 2, Conversation, The Conversation, Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now. Now. Yeah, that's right. So those four. Jack. 
Jack, so five are un- unassailable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, with Ridley Scott, it's two. But then even with like Francis Ford Coppola, like if I watch One from the Heart or Peggy Sue Got Married or Bram Stoker's Dracula, like the lesser works, yeah, I still get my uh, Coppola right. hit. You're absolutely outsiders. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I get my Coppola right. hit. Yeah. You're like, I see how this is still connected to that. The thing that was really baffling to me, I remember the first time I watched Hannibal, it was after digesting Alien and Blade Runner and getting a feel, and just being like, and I had seen Gladiator. Even Gladiator, I had this experience. And I was like, who, who is Ridley Scott right now? Because I thought his whole thing from like Alien, Blade Runner, Legend, is like the dude who does so much detail that you don't even ever see it on screen, maybe. It's like in Blade Runner, they'll like yeah. have a parking meter, but then it has a sticker over it, but then they put one more sticker over it. So you might not even see that first... His whole thing is like detail, right? And, hey, that might take three to four years before the next one comes out, because that... And then to go like a movie, two movies per year that are so detail lists yeah like they have no um texture right. i don't know maybe i'd i haven't seen it since but maybe i'd put thelma louise in the good column maybe that was the last uh yeah. i mean i know people love gladiator yeah. i remember sitting in the theater and being like what is this shit i i, I remember being a little underwhelmed this by fucking digital tiger and part two's coming out yeah into the toilet Ooh. A number two where it belongs. Hey, that's two movies are poop jokes I've made now. And they're both sequels. They're both number twos. <laughs> hey, good. Wow. Good. Well, to your point about the Ridley Scott, like, I pose a question to you. Do you can you think of a greater drop in classiness <sighs> between Silence of the Lambs a best picture winner. That's yeah, kind of like what yeah. we're going to use as the thing that distinguishes it. And a sequel. Well, yeah, Arthur 2 on the rocks. I've said that before. It's hideous. <laughs> and, and but Arthur did it with no, no but five it, it Oscars. Should have, it should have. It it's re- a perfect you know. movie. <laughs> and okay, there was another one. This came the, up recently. Outside of the Arthur principle, <laughs> that we call it, which is like, that's the greatest drop between Arthur and Arthur 2. Can you think of another, like... What was the last season we did? What was it? The Arthur series? Yeah, I wish. Uh, free film. Yuppies. The Yuppie 2s. Okay. I got a case Because I think this twos. came up recently where there was another one where I mentioned it was like a huge disparity. Mm. Did I say disparity or disparity earlier? I don't know. I don't uh, know. Because I, I know like disparity. Exorcist to Exorcist 2, but like... Exorcist was a blockbuster, but it didn't necessarily like win Oscars. Well, I get what you're saying. Like Silence of the Lambs is up here. And if we're being like real, Arthur, you know, culturally, critically isn't at the same level. But I think the drop between Arthur and Arthur 2 is way wider than even this. Because I still found this movie kind of watchable. It was too long. I was still like, because, and it's probably Silence of the Lambs to credit because I'm still 
wanting so much of that world and I still am dying to find yeah. out more that even the little, even this is like while I'll watch Phantom Menace occasionally and go like, it still gives me just a little yeah, fix. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like the cheapest thinned out methadone. I mean, oh, I, totally. I was yeah. like methadone out by the end of this movie of just like, I want a scene where Clarice and Hannibal are in the same room. Mm. It finally happened. I checked the time. 106 minutes into the movie and their exchange when they first see each other, not, not counting like the letters and the phone and stuff, is he's like, good to see you, Clarice. He says Clarice 500 fucking times in this movie. Because <laughs> I think It's like the Jack eyes. and Rose of Titanic. Uh. Like, Clarice, at the beginning of the sentence, at the end of the sentence, whatever they need to make it not a shit line. Uh, like, yeah, and to remind you, you're watching... Lecter and Clarice. Yes, yes, yes. They finally show up, and when they meet up, he's like, good to see you, Clarice. And she goes, shut up. Oof. I know. Julianne Moore, who I think is a brilliant, wonderful actress, I don't think she's good in this. And it's not, and I don't think it's just the script. Her accent doesn't ring true. I love it. You say that it's not just the script. That's good. Because, yeah, I, I know what you mean. There could have just been choices. Maybe... Let's say this. Maybe those choices were made editorially and directorially. They weren't maybe acknowledged and put in the movie. Let's go with that. Because yeah, it's um. I just not. I mean, her. the big bungle of not having Jodie Foster uh, in this. It's like whatever differences between Clarice and Silence of the Lambs and this. If it was Jodie Foster, it would like soften like the turbulence. Oh, for because sure. Because you would go, Julianne Moore's playing Clarice too strident in this scene. Like that's what I think. Clarice yeah. is too strident in the scene. Jodie Foster, would, but I'd be like, then I go, well, wait a minute. If it was Jodie Foster playing this part and she was being strident, then I'd go, oh, cool. Clarice is now her character is changed in this way and now she does have a chip on her shoulder but you can't help when you see Julianne Moore do it you're like are you doing a different interpretation of my Clarice I know we talked about this last episode that the the just the thing that Jonathan Demi brings is undeniable humanity and I actually yes. think as talented as Ridley Scott is in so many ways he's not known for his humanity or sensitivity or nuance and so a movie like this, a sequel, a Silence of the Lambs story, has to have that. Hallelujah. Pre preach it to the, uh, the rafters, Matt. Yeah. I agree with you. Ridley Scott is the man who Decker, in the first cut, the theatrical cut of uh, uh, Blade Runner, there's no suggestion that he's like a robot. Harrison Ford wasn't necessarily thinking that. The writers weren't thinking that. Ridley Scott is like... Oh, I am a robot of my own. <laughs> like, push this, like, Deckard is a, Deckard is a uh, robot thing. Yeah. And then, when he gets the alien movies back, who does he make the fucking star of all those? Is like, the robot dude, who has, like, no affect. Wow. What a compelling uh, character. So that, like, with a, with a, exactly with this, uh, that was my first note when I watched this. I was like, no kindness or humanity in this. Jonathan Demi, you might see gross shit in Silence of the Lambs or exploitative stuff, but you just know, like, oh, this guy loves 
There's no equivalent to that thing I was saying in Silence of the Lambs when Clarice goes, oh, I, my dad held on for a long time before he died, and yeah. I lost my mom, and he's like closing his eyes because he's like, ooh. They try. I, I they feel that pain. They try to do that. He mentions her dad and stuff like that. But, but it's, it's always mean. It's, he's like It's always jerk. mean, and it's, it's token or something, and Ridley Scott turned this nuanced story into kind of a melodrama, even down to having an action opening. I don't know if that's in the book or not, but... It's so melodramatic that there's a, a a bad black drug dealer with HIV positive, so don't grab her hair because there's needles in there. But guess what? She's so ruthless, she's got a baby shield. And and what do I do? And then Julie, she's dressed in like almost like action military fatigues. Oh, no, I know when I saw that. I was watching it with uh, my wife. And that whole sequence uh, with the... The, what you were just describing, yeah. the um, siege or what. Uh, I said to uh, my wife, I was like, I love my grandma, but this seems like it was written by my like Fox News watching grandma. Like, yeah. It is such an overcooked idea about what inner city <sighs> crime or drug bust would entail. That like uh yeah it seemed as if like a an alien or a robot wrote like yeah. a, and then um, to buy that she's the one that's hung out to dry on this when everyone knows that was in the operation that this local cop blew the whole operation so why wouldn't the uh, ch- mm-hmm. chain of command know yes. that everybody would have come to bat for Clarice it's such a weird contrivance that's why I wonder if it's in the novel but then again it probably is because everything I've read about the novels how it's insane and I actually remember at the time all this build up for the sequel yeah. and everybody waiting for Thomas Harris his novel and him it felt like George R.R. R. Martin where he was like reluctant he didn't want to like close the the mm. wavelength on Schrodinger's cat of what Hannibal could be but then he was forced to you know reportedly by Dino De Laurentiis mm. and then people listening got paid 10 million dollars right. when he uh, yeah so that's so, a yeah. big motivator but people should know that the book ends with Hannibal and Clarice becoming lovers and eating the full brain together as a meal and absconding off to be with each other for the rest of their lives, which I think wisely everybody was like, we can't do that. Ridley Scott's ending is better than that, I will say. Um, But apparently there were three endings. There was a De Laurentiis ending, I think a the Ridley ending, and was it maybe the screener? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, it oh. boggles the mind. They're, they're starting Oh from yeah, negative. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah, the yeah. Thomas Harris novel ending. I mean, I, I'm sure when people read that, when that book was first published, we were like, eh, okay. Uh, Maybe there's the biggest drop-off in sequel. <laughs> that between those two books. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just it's like luridness. I don't know Thomas I haven't read it, so Harris should, yeah. says, yeah, I don't know him as a man. But that just seems like a... Um, be curious because hey dude we're always artists first so if this dude artists first so if this was like his vision right. of this character and this story and it is bonkers that I'm like, hey, right on, man. This is so yeah. cool that you followed your like weird. Yeah, you gremlins toot it. Yeah, but, yeah. But I don't exactly. think that's the case. But and and if uh yeah. And if 
Dino De Laurentiis and the Jonathan Demi's and the uh, Jodie Foster's of the world, if they're just too square to figure it out, <laughs> that's cool too. But like, I also don't know if it's like an act of like self sabotage or franchise sabotage Something. of just like. Well, because he also, when Ridley went to him or the screenwriter went to him, was like, I think we want to change the ending, and he's like, that's cool. Yeah, meaning I'm not sure I nailed it anyway. That's yeah. what it feels like. I have no idea. But. Yeah, I'm trying to understand if for him, and I'm not saying it was a conscious like self-sabotage. It was just sort of like, how can I put a weird nail in this thing if I'm not like loving Yeah, and books? He, it kind of seems like he had to be coerced to do it, which is never the like right conditions to create something. And um, Yeah. And then Mamet wrote the first screenplay, which was then completely thrown out, my understanding, if at all used maybe a little bit yeah that uh, right it was no it was like a um laughably bad i think is that, that right uh, yeah oh, but wow. uh i think that would be everybody's like every screenwriter who adapts something's nightmare that was like you turned in the draft and everybody was like <laughs> and the story went that was shit yeah because then they brought in steve Zalian. Yeah. I never know how to pronounce his last name. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, Zach, I always think it's Zach Galligan from... Uh, <laughs> it is. From, from Gremlins. Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> and Gremlins, too. Uh, that... Um, uh, wait, why was I talking about Zach Galligan? Because they brought him in to do the next draft. He yes, originally yes. declined. Right. To Yes. And he said, you can't... Because of the script. It's t- hard enough to say uh, no to Dino De Laurentiis once. But it's very tough to say yeah. no to him twice, uh, was the quote, uh, paraphrased. So he did it, and he was supposed to, he was originally offered Silence of the Lambs to adapt, and he passed on it, and then the screenwriter Tally. of that, Ted Tally, declined to adapt the sequel. So you got, let's say this is um, The Rolling Stones, and they're yeah. reuniting. And the original band was Jonathan Demi on keyboard. Okay. Jodie Foster on the drums and Anthony uh, uh, Hopkins on, on stand up bass. On stand up bass. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on accordion? Uh, 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 Frankie Faison. Okay. Uh, and Dino De Laurentiis. Well, no, because he's less, he's not in the part of the Silence of the Lambs band that we okay. love that we're excited for the comeback show he's the brian epstein yes okay um no the thing he's not we don't want him even oh, in I the see. picture I he was i don't know where you're going with this you with yeah, I'm, I'm i'm premature but if go. they reunited and it, like let's say they're the rolling stones it kind of be like mick jagger that's it yeah like anthony hopkins is the mick jagger yeah and who else from the original band came back? You're right. Outside of Thomas know. Harris. I know. It's, that's, that's a pretty the, huge g- group of creative people to lose during a sequel. Yeah, and I, it sounds like uh, Anthony Hopkins was the first on board and was pretty bummed when Jodie Foster and Demi decided not to do it. As I, Yeah, I could understand. And he suggested yeah. Julianne Moore. I heard he dried his tears, though, with uh, $10 million. <laughs> Ah, this is good. Ooh, these bills come in handy. I'm watching Arthur 2 on the rocks all the way to the bank. <laughs> but the list of people considered for this movie per 
Brantley's notes yes. is incredible. Some insane, some good, but Kate Blanchett, I think, would have been better. She was not Always. available. Who else? Do you remember the list? There was, you know, anywhere from like Sarah Michelle Geller to Jennifer Aniston to everybody you expect. Uh, Angelina Jolie was one of the names too. Yeah, but really, um, Kate Blanchett is about the only one in there that feels right. Yeah, to you know me. who wasn't on that list, but it just flashed around my mind in terms of a diminutive semi-child actors we saw become adults. Uh, Winona Ryder could have been. Hmm. No, you just can't see it. Yeah. There's something She's about, too wayfish for yeah, the FBI. Yeah, she's a little too... I don't know. Premier cover well, magazine. You know, yeah. it's interesting that this has not come up again because there's been so many rebirths of IP that you got to hand it to... Well, I know Demi's dead, but there was a time probably five years ago. When did Demi die? Like two years ago? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That I wouldn't Some, have been surprised COVID. if they put together a Let's Wipe Away Hannibal sequel to Silence of the Lambs, a current day, Jodie Foster, oh, Anthony Hopkins, dude, Jonathan Demme. But, but it wouldn't have been right. It wouldn't have been good. Yeah. It's best that it didn't happen. And yes. Jodie Foster and Jonathan Demme, I think, deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, she I said mean, herself, I, I, was, I was going to make more money than I've ever made in my career combined to do the sequel, but it felt like a betrayal of Clarice. And that's that's incredible. She rules. I know, Jody she Foster really does. Jodie Foster is like, yeah, pretty... Uh, Unassailable, especially uh, cool person. When you, when you know that she had to lobby to get the role in the first place, that nobody wanted her. Wow, it's amazing and then to be like yeah. I'm connected to this character enough that that I have to wear a pretty dress while I watch Hannibal eat Ray Liotta's brain or, or feed his brain <laughs> to him. You're like, no, like that's it. It is classy, and it's classy of Jonathan Demi. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. I'm sure it's also because they have. They were having big fish to fry. None of them were in this like uh, full house reboot time where John Stamos is very happy that the reboot's yeah. coming. Like uh, those guys, you know. But what if they went full Creedence Clearwater and then did their own without Anthony Hopkins? Would that they bring Brian Cox in? Oh, wow. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, to go, I'm, I'm sure somebody's crunch the numbers but if you go from screen time of Lecter and Manhunter to Silence of the Lambs and Silence of the Lambs was already notable because it was like one of the fewest minutes of screen time a best actor winner of an Oscar that was considered best actor won but then yeah the screen time in Hannibal I'm sure is pretty substantial I wonder if they (laughs) ever considered once Demi and, and Foster dropped out going let's get Michael Mann back Let's do Brian Cox. Let's do that. That rule. I mean, Hopkins, if he was on board, it seemed like this movie could have been made by like um, the Farrelly brothers. And like, it still would have like, I know, been like, and Anthony Hopkins going. So we're saying Jonathan Demi, Jodie Foster. That's so cool that they turned down the big paycheck to do this. That's not to say Anthony Hopkins is uncool for doing this. But if we look at it from his point of view, if he loves playing this character, if this character means he gets to shoot in Rome or as an actor, get paid lots of money, and then get to be the hero, essentially, at the end, you can see it from his point of view of like... 
Yeah. This might be trash. I don't care. This is uh He said that he's re- regretted doing this in Red Dragon. He did say yeah, that really re- like more recently. Whoa. But yeah, at the time it did feel like well, if he said no, they would have had to pull the plug on the whole movie, right? Yeah, that the I think it was like one of them had to be a, a, an essential like it either had to be Jodie Foster came back or Anthony Hopkins like it was going to have to I don't think you could do just Demi. I think you have to have one of the two. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Cuz you know, everyday people don't really care about that. Yep. Yeah. You know, they they would miss it. They wouldn't know it. Yeah. The um but yeah, the the Jonathan uh having Anthony Hopkins come back, I guess making a, the movie is uh, yeah, it probably wouldn't exist. That's interesting that he said that about uh, yeah. because there is something that really it shouldn't matter if sequels are made to stuff because it shouldn't necessarily affect the original. The original is always going to be there, but like E.T. and Shampoo are my two favorite movies, and I am so happy that there's never I didn't never know that been... about Shampoo. Oh, baby, I, I love it. I didn't know those are your two favorite movies. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Oh, they, they they always battle each other really? for the number one spot. I've never seen Shampoo. Baby, you gotta watch it. <laughs> All right, baby. <laughs> yeah, if you would have gotten E.T. 2 Nocturnal Fears, is that yeah, what it's called? Yeah, Nocturnal Emissions. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is with Gorley and Russ, the podcast where... <laughs> Yeah, this is you our can Patreon. Go to Patreon. No, we'll make it quick. Go to Patreon. <laughs> you can watch the live screaming. If you're a baby xenomorph level, you can get shout outs. We'll do those next episode because we've gotten through a lot of them. And uh, you can get film commentaries, mailbag episodes, all sorts of fun. Um, all right. Well, let's get into some some of the finer points. We haven't even mentioned Gary Oldman yet. That's true. Um, the makeup's fantastic. Oh, my good golly, Miss Molly, is it not? Um, so much so that he installed a spotlight for his face in his bed. When he turns on the light for oh, Clarice, so it's one thing in close-up when you notice it go on, you just think the room's going on, but then they go to a wider shot and he's got a spotlight on his face. What could that be other than to just freak people out? <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, my, my wife, Leslie, when we were watching it, she was like, I don't mind the character, but why so many close-ups? Oh, like, that's Ridley Scott, though, like you're saying with the guts. It's just him going, I'm just going to put it in your face. It's, it's, yeah. yeah it's also, Rid- I think Thomas Harris and Ridley Scott at that point in their lives must have met a couple less moon vests of their time of like the <laughs> uber-rich, pervert, gross guy who like is really the only last villain in their life right right yeah. like they're they're on the top of their heap so who do they have to hate now but the vanderbilts or so yeah. you know what i mean i mean because doesn't ridley scott go on to do all the money in the world yeah, about, yeah yeah he has some sort of i mean that's cool but yeah. it's just like it almost like that scene when he's out on the patio <laughs> and he's got shades on he's like give me a fucker it i was like <sighs> What <laughs> what did Les Moonves do to Ridley Scott and Thomas Harris? <laughs> I love that you make him Les Moonves. I'm trying to think of... I mean, I do like the... Okay, in the category of stuff I do like and love about the movie, the number one thing would be the Gary Oldman character. Me too. Yeah. It's just so macabre and very believable yes because Gary Oldman also I think maybe it's a limitation of the makeup he's not doing an over 
acting no. thing, which at this time he was like in the prime of his overacting. Right. Life. This is post professional, the professional. And- yeah. But apparently he's doing a bit of an impersonation of Thomas Harris, he said, because he mess- met with him. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. That's funny. Um, the uh, Speaking of the professional, wasn't that it? Italian detectives bobbing around. I was like, you can't give me a Jean Renault here. Oh, are give you, me some you fucking kidding? movie star. Uh, I ha- Who this is, is where this I ha- guy? Giovanni Giannini. Five years he's going to go on to make the greatest movie that ever what? existed. Casino Royale. He's in Casino Royale? Yes, he's Mathis. And Quantum of Solace. What? <laughs> I actually love him. And he's a, he's a pretty well-known international european actor but okay, okay. i understand what you're saying too much time though with oh, a guy it's who is a marquee star why is he why is that whole first third of him and apparently there was more more about the serial killer that he was tracking who apparently also i think i read this in imdb trivia is like seen in the movie as the janitor a couple times and they cut all this stuff about him and like getting that guy, you know, hearing this, it's like, um, not that Jurassic Park two, the lost world is a good movie, but you know that like the novel, that's a came- pretty big drop off. Oh, whoo. Yeah. Good point. The novel came out, um, uh, and they were already working on the idea for the David Kep and Spielberg uh-huh. were working on an idea for cooking up ideas. And so, when the Crichton book came out and there were parts of it they didn't like, they were just like, let's just, we'll make our own Jurassic Park 2. Like, what's the difference here? <laughs> I, I Like, I wish they'd yeah. done that. Yeah. Maybe because they spent $10 million on the novel and Thomas Harris now has to be, like, more fetid. Yeah. I don't know if that, that's the right yeah. word. But, like, so now they have to focus on, they can't change it. But it should have just been a straight-up, like, why do we have to adapt this weird book? Like, let's just take the idea that this book suggests the idea that Hannibal reaches out to Clarice again while he's uh, uh, at large. Like, that's enough that of there, a... there, Because there is an element of the Italian setting and the globetrotting and that he's established himself there under an alias as someone of, like, academic renown... I like all that. Me too. But yeah. you, like you're saying, though, the fact that Pazzi, Federico Pazzi, becomes the main character for a third of the movie. And then their scenes between each other aren't, have none of the, um, you know, in Silence of the Lambs, when Hannibal Lecter speaks, practically, I'm not, no hyperbole. Every sentence is kind of like a quotable oh, yeah. line. They're so, like, powerful and they're how he articulates stuff. And so when his first dialogue scene is between, um, Potsy, um, or, uh, Fonzie <laughs> <laughs> or cannibal, the Ralph mouth, yeah, the Ralph mouth character comes in. And their first scene between each other is just exposition mm-hmm. of like, I've been the professor here. Like, and just catching up on dates and names. I'm like, what the f- I like the lector who's like, if that guy would have came in, he's like, what's the best ham sandwich you've ever eaten, detective? And he's just like, okay, weirdo. With Pauline and Ralph.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. With Corley and Rust. They also make Hannibal into a superhero in this where he's just kind of like, He's like a Jason Bourne or a Reacher where he can just get out of every situation. I know he does that in the first one, but it's kind of like he he pulled that off. He did it. And it surprised us when we saw it in Silence yeah. Lambs. Doesn't surprise us now. And, you know, when I was like, we were talking about Silence of the Lambs, I was like, that movie doesn't have to have those three, like, really amazing kind of, like, unprecedented gimmicks where they fake you out about who the victim is, where the location is, whether they caught the guy or like, um, this uh, CSI, it's exactly law and order. Like there's no procedural surprises during this. And, uh, CSI, I mean, I think this was popping around the time. Yeah. Uh, that opening, the drug rate scene is just straight up CSI. It is so, Sunny, <laughs> um, bright, but then they filter it to make it yes. blue. It's a, it's very high contrast, and, and then uh, 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 like when you just think about the atmosphere of the of Silence of the Lambs, and you're like, can we at least have like weather? Yeah, in this shootout scene, like it, it was just like I was like, they this tried like to in the back it. lot of like the Radford, yeah, and they <laughs> they. Make Hannibal so smart in this and so quick to escape and so much smarter than everybody. And that works in the first movie because Clarice using honesty and frankness and like directness and and wit and smarts is able to match him. They don't give Julianne Moore anything other than just like, I figured out this photo or whatever. Yeah. There's no like strength of character and this is not her fault because it's just not there in the script. They don't give her anything that makes you think she's at his level. And therefore, he just does seem like this Superman floating above everything. Yes, yes. And to that point about like what uh, Julianne Moore's experience like in, in her life, like in Silence of the Lambs, you know, the thing that we identified, it's like, oh, in every scene, if there's a guy there, he's watching her or she's having to deal with a different subset of what one would call like toxic masculinity. Like they all have their different versions of that, that she deals with. And like you said, the last episode was like, it has 
specific tools to work with each of those. Like she can code switch. She knows yeah. how to talk to each person to get like with this, it was like, um, well, every guy she comes up against in this one is just a, a stereotypical douchebag. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. The, there's no nuance to the misogyny. No. no. Like when she sh- first shows up at the shootout, not only is it confusing when the guy's outright misogynist to her because you're just like, in this movie, somebody should tap him on the shoulder and be like, fuck her, that's Clarice Turley. She did the, yeah. she cut the, you know her. Like, yeah. why are you talking back to her? Like, right. Or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, that it is so garden variety misogynist. I was thinking about it when I was watching. I was like, it really lets the male viewer off the hook. Because when you're watching Silence <laughs> right. of the Lambs and you're watching that nuanced toxic masculinity, you're like, I do that. Yeah, I felt yeah. that before. I've you're seen so you right. do that. <laughs> and then when you see Hannibal and it's just like, listen, bitch, you got to yeah. let the boys of the SWAT team follow this. I'm like, well, I've never said that before. I no, never. And, and you've got Ray Liotta's character, who I think his performance is really funny in this, but that character is just so bad. But when oh, he and to laughs... Go- when he looks the first, like if we're talking about inside of the lambs, how like ooh, there's kind of like this really cool way of how you see how they look at her, but you yeah. never enter their point of view of looking at her. The way Ray Leona is introduced is you see he's looking at her thigh. Under you see the a table. point of view, yeah. But when he's his skull cap is sliced and he's drugged and he's just talking like a kid. Oh, before, I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's the the movie's gone. It's bonkers. It's killed itself <laughs> by then. So I'm just yes. latching on to what yes. is, in its its own right, a hilarious and wonderful performance. Even though if it's probably not right for the movie, and the movie ain't right. Oh right! And oh then, god! And the, the what's not right too is how he has that fucking fitted cap, limb biscuit. <laughs> The Fred, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Fred, Fred Durst. Yeah, he's got a low, Fred Durst yeah. cap. Like before they pull it off as a way to cover him. I'm like, he, he could have been. Weir- What's that choice? He should have been wearing his little biking cap. Yes, because they already showed that. Yes, I guess that would be seeping through with blood, but still. I mean, I guess they suggested he was a sporto, so maybe that's yeah. why he had that fitted oh, cap. Oh god! But, but even when they take that off, and there's the like CG part where he's moving around he's obviously as we've seen by the yeah. pictures Brantley sent us he's got a green screen skull cap on but it's just such bad CG even now yeah and Brantley subtly in his notes like <laughs> like wrote what Ridley Scott said like verbatim about the effect where he's like it is completely and effortlessly seamless. Oh, you know, it's like boy. I like when somebody gets so hooked into the technology. Yeah, he, which of, he's of a, a movie big that they get of. seduced by it, yeah. and then they can't take two steps back and be like, "Oh, this looks like shit." Yeah, um, that's that's big for him because his movies always seem to be kind of rushed too because he's making so many. So yeah, again to the point though, like those earlier ones though, those are like take two years, three years of marinating. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, the to mention the Ray Liotta skull thing, it, it, the, the, what's weird, I mean, when I first saw it, I've only seen this movie one other time. I was in a dorm room. My friends and I rented it uh, to celebrate 9-11. I don't know why, <laughs> but, uh, but I was in God when it came out. And uh, we, <laughs> I don't know why we watched it, but the um, it wasn't for that. The skull, I remember when I was seeing it, I was like, it doesn't 
it looks too small at the top. It doesn't look like he. No, you're that, right. Yeah, which is ironic. You think it would be too bulky. Yeah, what's yeah. going on? How could one fix that now? What's going on? Like, I don't know what the uncanny valley of one's brain and a skull is to go like, well, it should look like this. It's just, it looks too low. I don't know. Maybe part of it is that you see him now and his head's been shaved. So Hannibal's shaved his head. He's also shaved yes. his own head as the only attempt of a disguise, which I don't <laughs> think goes far enough. I love the little like Tom Wolf. Type I know. look though. That's very cool. Yeah, his Truman Capote Italian dashing Capote's cap. the yeah. better one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Animal if they would have left Ray Liotta's hair longer, maybe that would have made more sense. Yes, yeah. Or maybe, and having it not as like clean. Yeah. Like it's just too perfectly, give me a little bit of ridge. Oh, here's the perfect example of what's wrong with this movie. <laughs> There's a point when Anthony Hopkins attacks that nurse on the camera and they do these like black and white or whatever flashbacks. They've, the sound mixer has mixed in animal roars when he's biting her. Yeah. That whole surveillance. And that's when you've really lost what Demi and Foster and Hopkins created and gone to just like pure, let, let us telegraph what horror is instead of let these people show you. Yeah. And that was like when I was even on that, perfect day of watching a movie like this kind of went oh fuck you <laughs> yeah because i think that's the maybe the first kind of scare too with hannibal so when it's this kind of cheap i mean it has like the classic jump scare state music sting when it happens like i think i would have been startled regardless of the little music thing yeah. and then it does the thing that uh, might seem nitpicky but for the people who notice it, it bothers them. And even if you don't notice it in the back of your brain, it bothers you. Like when they're watching the surveillance camera and it goes to th- three oh, different yeah. Yeah. cameras edited together. And one of them is like from the floor. It's just like, so nobody's caring enough really to execute this scare in a way where... Like, Ridley Scott, Tony Scott have been accused of, like, they kind of, like, will do the thing of, like, setting up eight cameras, and they shoot a bunch of shit, and then they go to the editing room, and then that's why their movies are kind of these, can be great, but, like, a little chaotic. Yeah. Like, like, what I watched, I was like, even the asylum staff's surveillance cameras set up (laughs) multi-cameras so they could later edit them together. The Matrix bullet cam. Yes, yeah. And then the the other thing about the melodrama of like the animal roars, then they go the other way with Barney and he's like, I'm going to save a wounded bird to tell you that this is a good person. Yeah, the total lack of uh, dimension to... Yeah. Yeah, because... The thing I I thought you were going to say, too, with um, Lecter, where you're like, when he was, um, when when he would bring up the one time about her being, like, white trash or something, it's a complete, like, misunderstanding of Hannibal and, like, their relationship. I know he says something to that effect in Silence of the Lambs, but it's the moment when he's trying to get her to like be honest with herself. He's like trying to open her up like a psychiatrist would. And he's doing it in a kind of a demented way with this. He goes like you white trash. I was just like, 
he's doing it because he's trying to bully her to come hatch a scheme with him. It was yeah. like, oh, this is where you're, yeah, like what you're saying, it becomes like comic booky or something. Like, yeah. The fact that he's now doing stuff to What's exact she, revenge and, and pull in plo- uh, uh, fake. I mean, I, I do think it's cool if you watch these as like a trilogy. There's some cool thing of the like, um, who's the um, first one? We said his name last time we could it. Dollar Hyde. Oh, yeah. Dollar Hyde is the like freaky guy who the movie isn't really about, but it is. Mm-hmm. And then Buffalo Bill is that and so is the Lambs. It's a cool choice to make Gary Oldman, who's kind yeah. of like not deadbeat criminal. He's kind of an out in the open and is like prestige allows him to be like openly criminal but he's the freaky guy who you're like i mean maybe he's like a pedophile too well, or something. He he's, you're a, just like he's worse than lecter so i don't care what yeah yeah how did he become a quadriplegic because i know why his face got messed up did they say oh yeah it, it wasn't like he they hung right and he said he hung him up and did that thing to his face with the mirror so Maybe hanging somebody up makes them, but then it's not like the other victims had to be in a wheelchair. Uh, I don't know. Right? <laughs> also, is this the first time, like, in that flashback when you see it with Gary Oldman? Also, it's really cool that Gary Oldman wanted to be uncredited. Yeah. Uh, just to heap the most I can on the Gary Oldman stuff, because it's really Although great. Although it did sound like there was a slight element of your own ass about that, because he got in an argument with... De Laurentiis who announced it, but I don't know. Well, it's like the F. Well, first he Abraham wanted- is uncredited in Bonfire of the Vanities because by that point in his career, he would get name above the title. But uh. because of the star wattage of that movie, they weren't going to put Tom Hanks, Melody Griffith, Bruce Willis, F. Marie Abraham above it. So like he was just like, then... I will take no. I think it was the same thing with Hannibal, and then I they're think like, "That's what I read, but I don't know. It wasn't in Brantley's notes. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I don't trust it. Yeah, I don't trust it. But it was like, uh, um, why would? Uh, sorry, why would they? Why was he a quadriplegic? Oh, um, Gary Oldman's on billing. They were like, oh. you just can't admit. Like, just it was one of the producers like saying, like, try to imagine. That title, it's those are such big stars. Clarice and Hannibal are coming back. Anthony Hopkins and and, and Julianne Moore. You just can't imagine Gary Oldman. I'm like, I fucking can. Yeah. I can imagine that title would be badass. If you walk to the yeah. theater and the poster was Anthony Hopkins, Julianne Moore, and Gary Oldman, you're like, oh, Gary and Oldman. Don't forget Leonardo. G- 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 yeah, of course, of course. Sorry, sorry. G- Him Giovanni above all G- those. G- yes, okay. But you'd be like, oh, he's the baddie in this. That's. Fucking awesome. You would, yeah. He, do you think after he ostensibly couldn't get his name in there, that his whole thing about like hiding his name till the end credits was based off of Kevin Spacey's thing in Seven? Wow, maybe, yeah. That that was like a, a cool thing to do. Where he saw that and was like, hmm. Well, there know. is another Seven rip, uh, like that title sequence. Yeah. Which... Um, Pretty weak. It, it it's a funny and Red Dragon I remember is even more yeah because uh, Red Dragon comes out the next year yeah and has a full on seven opening credits rip off but this one is also seventy 
Chloe 70, uh, <laughs> but it's like, it has a seven style, but it's a full like circle come around because, uh, you know, David Fincher made his like name with Alien 3, but also his commercials of like taking the Ridley Scott look and making it his own into something else. But now you got Ridley Scott coming back around and taking David Fincher That's stuff. That's crazy. And, and yeah. When you think about he inherited and, you know, at least commercially failed with aliens in a certain sense, critically and commercially been revisited since, but to have Fincher rise to the cream of the crop with, with seven mm-hmm. and have Ridley kind of like, borrowing from that it's like it's a little a gu- watching if your friend broke up with his girlfriend and then his dad started dating that girl <laughs> you're like dad just let your son have his girlfriends <laughs> you don't have to be the young man anymore no. last episode we talked about how watertight also the procedural element of it was unbelievable mm-hmm. This just gets crazy too with the like three nose tribunal of of scent smelling specialists that are somehow gathered in the same part and just like <laughs> the tribunal of nose smellers. Yes, yes. Who you who are you gonna get? Get me the nostril six. You know, there's no one else that could possibly handle this. <laughs> I love those people. Yeah, they're like burger. <laughs> Uh, I, well, I, well, I smell lavender, but really what I smell is murder. Obviously, I know who wrote this because they were cooking burgers in their kitchen. <laughs> like um, uh, this uh, comic, Michelle Balloon, uh, B-I-L-O-O-N. I want to give credit where credit's due. She had a really funny joke about how tap dancing is one of those things where if somebody does it, I can't tell the difference between somebody being great and somebody pretending. Oh, yeah. But that's the same thing. Same. With, yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, I only have one other note, and it's an interesting one, I think, because I don't think it's ooh. successful, but I wonder if it was... It's, I don't hate it. I liked it, mm-hmm. but I, I wondered if it was intentional for for them to say one thing that was so amazing about the ending of Silence of the Lambs was that editing twist between locations. Yes. And they basically do that with the hand chop, where you think... He's cutting off. That's and I think they, I liked yeah. that. I liked that yeah, element. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty cool. And no, that, yeah, yeah. That that's a good it's a little like cute, but but the fact that Hannibal, especially if you're thinking back to the original Hannibal and Clarice, would cut off his arm rather than hers. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, pretty interesting. I yeah, I like that too. And uh it it, it, it seems like the people making this movie identifying like Oh, these movies are fun if there's an element of surprise sometimes yeah. of or having being it behind the curve. Yeah. So um I did like that. Yeah. Um the uh I was gonna say, um opening the movie with the Frankie Faison voice yeah. is a little like cheap to make you think the the whole cast is back. I, I know. It would be a little bit like if there was a Happy Days reunion and only, yeah, like uh, 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 Ralph Mouth came back. Yeah. And so it opens with a voiceover of Ralph Mouth being like, the whole gang was back together. And you're like, yes. And then it was, no, it's not. just Fonzie because clearly Fonzie is the lecture category, like allegory. You're right. But no Richie. No Tom Bosley. No Tom Bosley. Uh, the, uh, do, do you think yeah. 
Well, do you miss Chilton at all? I mean, they were best to just let it be, but if they were going... Yeah, what happened with Chilton? Well, we want to know, right? Like, that could have been the cold open of this movie, is is the getting Chilton thing. or That's probably best left to mystery, like Silence of the Lambs wanted it, but still. That's what I meant when I was saying they should have just gone, like, this is a sequel to Silence of the Lambs. What are we going to do? Let's forget about the book. Because, yeah, if it was just, like, the opening's Chilton... Now we know maybe where Hannibal might be. Clarice, you got to go find him because you're the only one who can. Yeah. She gets on a plane. I mean, I'm a hack, so I'm coming up with the lamest. No, but, but already the, I'm more interested. But then she goes to Just get find Giovanni him. Giannini. And that. then because they have this thing, this connection, he always has a way to seduce her or she seduces him. Once it's time to get the pay the piper to arrest him, she can't. Yeah. You know, and then now they're embroiled or they now have to figure out a way how they're going to disentangle or he has to disentangle from her because now he's gonna, she's going to bust him because she goes by the book and that's what he loves about her. So he's not going to put in her position where she has to go against her code. I mean, there's just all these like when they don't meet each other until 106 minutes and then there's it's so funny. It's laughable that their dialogue scene is when they're driving in two separate cars and it's like that's hard enough to have a conversation like that in life yeah. when the person's like, uh, and then, yeah, then my uncle got really angry and threw the ashtray. Oh, you got to turn left here. Yeah. <laughs> like That's like what they were dealing with. It was like, oh, make sure to not uh, speed through that yellow light because I'm behind you, so just slow down so we can keep talking. <laughs> did uh, you notice that, did you listen or watch through the end of the credits? No. It ends after the credits ends it. You hear Hannibal go, Ta Clarice H. And it's so obvious that when she reads that letter that says that, I don't think they use voiceover for him, but they probably recorded it and didn't use it. So then they're like at the end, just like, oh, let's tack that on there. Yeah. And they did the little trickery by when she's listening to the tape putting Julianne Moore in a little dialogue thing was like, that's a little cheap. He's like, I want to taste your vagina or something yeah. like so. And then it clicks back in to the actual size oh, of the yeah. lancer. You it's can like, hear the quality of mic change too. Quality of mic change and the quality of his yeah. timber. Yeah. Like you go, you can see like just the difference in like, this one's hammy. Yeah. This one's less hammy. <laughs> yeah. Because it's that part where he goes like, I'd like a window that looks over the, you know, yeah. uh, which did. Is, you see the first shot of Italy is that ah that's cool yeah um, the I didn't notice that the um, I didn't say what the size of the lamps thing when he's like I went to window that looks through the I was thinking if it was a musical <laughs> that would be a really kind of beautiful opening to look a little that's uh, what the sequel should have been part of your world sort of ah, thing on the window. <laughs> Uh, the uh, when she goes and talks to the FBI guys and they're sitting across the table from each other, uh, did he uh, that panel that's saying yay 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 nay 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 to her like you gotta straighten yeah. up and fly right? Um, I know you're not a magnolia head like I am, but one of the guys who was like. Miss Sterling, you have to be more careful with a shootout. So he is the same actor 
who plays the doctor in Magnolia, who tells her character, like, um, oh. you can give this morphine to Earl, but the Earl you know isn't really going to be there anymore. It's like oh, beautifully wow. acted and, uh. <laughs> between two characters. And it, I guess it, I can only imagine. I mean, Magnolia, I think, was the last thing she shot before she went on to Hannibal. So is it just a case <sighs> of like, well, if you were an FBI guy, that's a, or Ridley Scott's like, Who's that guy? The, the doctor dude. He's pretty good. We're taking you, uh, Julia Moore, and you get to bring one person with you from the last shoot. Go ahead and pick. Tom Cruise. No. Uh, the doctor guy. Uh, I do like, I mean, it's pretty dumb, but the like, clarify that it's now, he eats the rude. Yes. Yes. Such a he funny eats little. the rude. Yeah. So like, I'd like to think when that guy, the the Italian detective, I give him no honor. I just call him Federico Pazzi. He might as well be like Roberto Benigni, the way I'm talking about comes in. But when his cell phone goes off and rings, and then Hannibal looks over and notices it, I was oh, like yeah. thinking like, I'd like to think he was never going to fuck with that. To, like <laughs> Until that until moment. Until that yeah. moment. He's like, you Aww. interrupted my presentation. Or if this sequel series went on for five more films, it would be like he's at the opera and a woman sits in front of him with a large hat and he just goes. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger style. <laughs> yes. And then on nights when he's really hungry, he's kind of sad. He's like roaming the streets and like watching a guy like pick his nose. He's like, good enough. When he launches at him. <laughs> Or he'll be setting up things like that where uh, he'll like call his cell phone in a restaurant to see if he'll answer it in public. <laughs> and he doesn't. He's like, oh, God, I'm starving. Speaking of other uh, Hannibal schemes, um, he was Dr. Fell. I was hoping that they were like, Dr. Fell. He's like, yes, Dr. Norman Fell. Like, <laughs> and then he looked at camera <laughs> and did his eyeballs. Did a big eye roll. Uh, very weird, the Osama bin Laden thing, huh, buddy? Can we just reflect on that? But that's a pretty uh, yeah, weird I mean, thing that they linger on to know. I mean, I know he was Yeah, notorious. he had done his, his terrorist attack on the ship. So I guess it makes sense. They probably just... I bet everybody else on there is fictional, but they're kind of, you know, people... He probably thought people did know who he was. Well, I was wondering when... The, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, are those other... Names that they focus on, were they as notorious? I, I bet it was just his attempt to give this film some verisimilitude that it was severely lacking. Yes. <laughs> well, I like the uh, verisimilitude of Lecter getting the aisle seat at the opera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, with that, uh, with the detectives looking at him and he looks over, I was like, and then... Lecter just kept staring at him like I know you were looking at me and so yeah. the guy has to do the awkward like, look I, I back I did like that moment I like that too uh, yeah. I was like that's your Giovanni Giannini man that's well, when you sign up that's what you're gonna get is that a celebrity move like oh, do you yeah. think Anthony Hopkins yeah. has ever pulled that where somebody was like stole a glance and then he just keeps looking at him yeah. like yeah I know you were looking at me at the opera yeah doink <laughs> you doink uh, the uh when he shows that picture of the past relative who got hung uh, before he dies, yeah. that's cold. Like seeing a picture of like, yeah, no matter your how uncle, many, right? Like, well, I with think his he pants was, down at camp. I think he was like his die? great, 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 great grandfather. But still, 
<laughs> Not that great, if you ask me. I didn't I like know. what he was up if to. If he was so great, why did he let himself get thrown out a window and disemboweled? Um, two more things. I love the... Um, uh, when Verger... Oh, him wanting the mask is a little Kylo Ren wanting the Vader mask. Yeah, like I that's know. the ultimate collectible for me. Uh, I love his little voice; it's so and cool. His little... Oh, gross! Yeah, uh, it's effective. and it's a great American accent. I know. It's like that alone would be yeah uh, applaudable. You would never know that was Gary Oldman if they except had for done those that. flashbacks. Yes. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. If they hadn't. And wouldn't that have been amazing yeah. if you had gone to that on opening night? His name's not in the credits. Those flashbacks aren't there. And you're like, what the? Because he's not in any commercials or any no. trailers. I doubt it. I doubt like between commercials for orange juice and like. What's that? Hey, I'm going to show this guy. <laughs> <laughs> right before ham. Boiled ham, Rachel. <laughs> Ew, Oscar Meyer. Uh, <laughs> would you, um, do you think this was Ridley Scott going with uh, Guy Pierce and Prometheus going, hey man, my thing is I take pretty cool, good looking, younger, great actors and then cover them in makeup and you can't tell. That's true. That and is a like return to one the... of the stupidest things about Prometheus is that, and then they don't use him as a young man. And the, Why yeah, didn't he hire an older man? Oof. I mean, Ridley Scott has soiled some beds. <laughs> I mean, the the I, I was reflecting on it, going down my aliens hole, Matt. The fundamental misunderstanding of all these post-alien resurrection movies. You need Ripley. What are we doing here, guys? I know, and this it's so weird. This is bananas that it's not even, like, possibly reflected upon. Like, Is Prometheus one of the most divisive films? Because there's so many people that really love it. I know we talked about this. Yeah, because uh, we're anti-that-theus. Some That's people right. are pro-me-theus. Yeah. And we say, no, anti-you-theus. Antithetheus. It is the antithetheus. Um... I like little Lecter's shopping spree when he went out and bought some <laughs> silver. Yeah. Just him having a little fun yeah. moment was like... Yeah. Um, but uh, a true, maybe, probably... Well, this leads us into Best Kill. For me, the fucking stand-up-and-cheer moment. The, move, the only part of the movie that I, like, yeah. completely loved... Was when Hannibal was like, "You could push him in and just say Same. that I did it." <laughs> and the guy was like, "Okay." The and then you Doug just get, Stamper from House of Cards guy. Uh, it's not really him, but he seems. And so then much you like, get the fucking gross, yeah. gross pig eating that guy. But that it was all set up. I mean, it has the stand up and cheer moment of the Bond villain yeah. with the henchman yeah. turning on the Bond villain, where right. you're like. The henchman knows Vader and the Emperor, yeah, uh, yeah, or the yeah. Wicked Witch. You, yes. the, you killed her thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, he did come across very Bond villain. I mean, when yeah. he's in that bed and he's like has some disfigurement, but has like a bank of TVs and he's very rich and has things at his disposal. I was like, Thomas, are you Harris listening, says, Barbara Broccoli? <laughs> Give us Gary Oldman as a villain. I late stage Gary Oldman is there's nothing better for me and. He, 
because his uh, younger stuff we've talked about it. It's a little like mm-hmm. indulgent. Jackson Lamb, I Commissioner mean, the, Gordon. I think all he's the, amazing. All the Gordon stuff post Gordon has been a that was a real pivot. Yeah, and it's also ironically how he's been doing some real shit too. Like he seems to just do anything. But Tinker Taylor, man, oh boy! But you you were digging um, the uh, uh, show that he was doing, Slow Horses. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he just has also done a lot of strange kind of B intrigue movies that uh, I I don't know. And then he's in some amazing things. It's like he really is a modern day Michael Caine or Gene Hackman or something, where yeah. he does a lot and not everything's good, but he's always pretty good no i mean there's only i i know when um in the 70s if you're a young man who loved acting and actors to have robert de niro's new movie was like an event because he only did maybe one a year one every two years and you knew that it's like what daniel day lewis is now you're like oh it's an event i'm going to see this guy like what he put into this for five years or whatever it took and i'm gonna get the gifts of that um i uh just was making me reflect there was a time where gary Ullman, i think had that power of people being like the professional is worth going to because gary or or bram stoker's dracula has now this extra boost of like prestige because this guy who doesn't do everything is doing it i'm trying to think outside of daniel day lewis who's retired DiCaprio? Is there anybody whose like movies are still like not entered that Gary Oldman stage of like oh um oh he's in these straight to whatever rental uh, movies that or VOD and you go okay I guess Gary Oldman's doing that like what actor still still it's nice that you put him in the Gene Hackman Michael Caine like because that is what it is it's just somebody who's workman and people love and why not Hackman not workman. Although Gary Oldman, he played an old man. <laughs> Michael Caineman? Oh, that reminds me, man. I always forget. Um, and then we can. Uh, what's your best kill? I think it's that one. Yeah. As well. It's pretty good, huh? What is this? Oh, I meant to ask you yeah. about this. Hannibal. Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal. 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 Hannibal, Hannibal, Hannibal. You can join it. Hannibal, Hannibal, Hannibal. 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 You're always on the run now. (laughs) Running after the Italian detective. You gotta get him somehow. I think you've got to slow down before you start to blow it. I think you're headed for a breakdown. So be careful not to show it. You really don't remember. Was it something that he said? You opened up Ray Liotta's head. (laughs) Singing Hannibal. I really only changed that line about Ray Liotta's head, but... What? Are you kidding me? I don't know. I just just got this idea right now. Please, please, please. All the things that I know. Hold on. Yeah, baby. Come on. Here we go. Wait. Ba, 
Let's get Hannibal, Hannibal. I want to get Hannibal. Let's get into Hannibal. Let me hear your body feed. Your body feed. Let me see your body feed. Let me see your body feed. Let me see those piggies eat. Oh, those pigs. Oh, yeah. Russian boars. Imported I hope those from pigs Canada. come back in Red Dragon. Mm. They come back in little bow ties and they're like distinguished. Red boar. They're eating red boar deli meats. <laughs> but if they got like the Terminator 2 treatment with the Terminator coming back as the good guy, but in Red Dragon, the pigs come back to like the good guys. <laughs> to fight a dragon. Yeah, they like save the day by fighting the dragon. Yeah. Now... Thoughts, uh, expectations with Red Dragon. I'm excited to see Ray Fiennes. Me too. Um, um, I think I thought I was going to like Hannibal more than I did. And sorry if we're negative, but if you've seen the movie, you're right there with us. Um, Yeah. uh, I think I thought I would enjoy it for what it is more. It it was too long. I think if it was shorter, I would have liked it more. But Red Dragon, I'm still... I still remember really enjoying it as kind of being perfect pulp. Mm-hmm. Red Dragon, yeah. yes. Yeah, no, so no, I, I remember this being one doesn't a, disappoint me. In entertainment. Yeah. Uh, and when I first saw Hannah, I was like, mm-mm. But when I saw Red Dragon, I was like, hey, pretty. It's uh, got a lot going for it because it doesn't require Jodie Foster. Yes. Clarice Starling. And, and got those Ed actors Norton. are all really, I yeah, mean. Yeah, Ray Fiennes, Emily Watson. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's right. Oh, yeah, I always uh, forget. Like lots of great, great uh, um actors so that it's got that going for it yeah um but uh yeah oh so yeah should we uh rate, rate it? this baby yeah 13 or 12.5 <laughs> let's see well, let's we gave um manhunter um ba, 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 hey I gave it an 11.5. You gave it a 10.5. We each gave Silence a 13. I'm going to go five. Whew. Yeah, I'll give it a five. There it is. Pretty united so far this season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the the airlines, which if we were, you know... Using that, uh, if we were endorsing airlines, that would be a perfect segue. Yeah. But um, we're, we're not. We're not. So, <laughs> we're not, so American uh, Airlines, over to you. Um, there was uh, somebody who on the Patreon, I'll, I'll bring it in um, next week, really, uh, I think in the Manhunter comments, articulated very well. They read Thomas Harris's stuff and sort of the like, tensions in his work that uh like the and basically it was like the combination of gothic plus fbi procedure sciences like the the things that make it interesting but also later kind of get strange yeah whatever okay Um, i'll look into that yeah well hey I'll, i'll i'll print it out Okay. And I'll bring it in a folder and I'll hand out Make sure to print to the out gang. the map quest of how to get here as well. <laughs> yeah, my map quests in my backseat got replaced by water bottles and then got replaced by face masks over the years here in Los Angeles. Oh, I thought you were going to say like Hannibal masks. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want that. <laughs> who do you think is the movie collector? Who's the guy, the, the guy who's like, get me the real prop? 
Like he's the ultimate like movie prop guy. Yeah. That weirdo. I know. Vesper? Is that his name? Vespi? No, um Mer- Verger. Verger. Mason Verger. Nice <laughs> that I gave him a name right in the last thirty seconds of the episode. <laughs> uh, but Matt, a pleasure as always. As always. We'll pleasure, be guys. back in two weeks with Red Dragon. You I can find Red Dragon Tattoo. I'm fit to be dyed and I'm fit to have you. What's that? Hey, we'll find out. <gasps> Bye, cliffhanger. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Corley and Russ theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Corley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.